we're still seeing stores that are overloaded with the amount of items that they have. And young people are saying, I don't need so many options. I actually want a store where I feel good, where I feel welcomed, where there's a little bit more of a sense of community, where I can go hang out. And this is a trend that we're seeing some stores are doing it, but we're still way, way behind. I was in Los Angeles, and I'd just seen Alina Diaz give a keynote at the Research Connections Conference. After she was done, we grabbed an out-of-the-way couch in a quiet area of the hotel and sat down for a talk. My name is Alina Diaz. I'm the global head at Cassandra. We are a cultural strategy and trend forecasting firm. So our clients include clients from Google to AB InBev um, to Facebook, Target. So right now, millennials are 22 to 38 years old and Gen Zs are 21 and under. One of the big differences that we see between those two generations is that for us, millennials are the dreamers and Gen Zs are the doers. Millennials are very much about achieving anything that they set their minds to without necessarily having all of the backup plan to actually do that. They're the largest creative entrepreneurial generation that ever existed. Gen Zs are actually raised by Gen Xers. So they're much more pragmatic. They're much more realist. They are, you know, much more of conservative risk takers. They will take the risk, but they will have more of the plan and research behind it before they do that. This week, Alina Diaz tells us about millennials and Gen Z and creating retail spaces that engage both of those generational groups. Plus, we secured an actual interview with a real live millennial. Alina says that Gen Z especially likes to plan and research things. Man, they should all be listening to this podcast. My name is James Cook. I research retail and real estate for JLL. You're listening to Where We Buy. It's the show about the things we buy and the places we buy them. This is the show where we talk with retail experts and visit shopping spots across the nation. Remember back when you were a kid and adults would say, kids today are lazy and entitled? Nothing like when I was a kid. We were respectful. We were good when I was a kid. Adults have been saying kids are worthless and lazy as long as there have been adults and kids. Uh, Very quick research. I found an example from Horace in 20 BC. So it's been around for a while. That leads me to the question, are these new generational groups that we talk about, like millennials and Gen Z, are they really that different? One of the great debates out there is, you know, what is life stage and what is true generational difference? You know, are, you know, this group of young people is acting a certain way. Is that because they're just young or are they really significantly different? How do you figure that out as a researcher? The way that we analyze the generations is a combination of different factors, is socioeconomic conditions, is parenting styles, is technology, uh, advancements in technology. Um, And all of these factors affect market generation to its core. Um, For millennials, they went into the market when the economy crashed. And that has 
made a dramatic difference of how they grew up versus Gen Xers. So the idea that they invest much more in their health is something that we're going to see until they are no longer alive. So it's not something that is just out for the moment. Yes, they are having kids later in life, but they're not traveling less because of that. They are, you know, prioritizing different things than the other generations are. So there are traits that we study and that we publish that are very much of a difference, you know, between generation and a generation. It's not just a life stage. In generic terms, we're seeing a lot of differences um, from Gen Xers to Millennials to Gen Zs. Millennials are very much seeking experiences over products. And from the retail industry, that is driving a sense of more community over commerce. So the retail space of the future, or the retail space that millennials crave today, are spaces where they're welcomed to form a community and they go to meet with more like-minded people. A little bit more differently for Gen Zers that we're seeing is the value that they're placing on items different than experiences for millennials, where that's driving more of the sense of luxury in limited time, uh, limited edition items is something that we're seeing much more of a trend uh, pick up with Gen Z's. When a retail brand or a um, one of their favorite brands is offering something that is just limited item, it creates a sense of, I want to have that. <laughs> Not only a sense of, I want to have that, but Gen Z specifically are placing value on items because of the resale opportunity. So things that are only available for a limited time only that they know other people will have demand for it, they will want to buy that because they see the upsell on that. And if they can make money on the way, even better. So they're looking at fashion goods as also an investment? Absolutely. Especially for Gen Zs. They're seeing um, clothing and, you know, limited items as an investment. And do they see that it holds value? Do they, would they say buy a Supreme shirt, wear it for a while, and then resell it? Or do they have to sell it while it's still new? They can wear it and then resell it. We're seeing a lot of resale apps and a lot of resale um, movement, into, especially with Gen Zs, where they would buy an item, they would sometimes rent it to their friends. We've actually uncovered this. And, but they are also, then after they're done with it, they don't want to just keep the item and they will, you know, there are many, many apps right now that can help you resell an item. If my friend asked me to borrow a piece of clothing, I'd just, just be like, okay, but you're telling me that they'll be like, oh, that'll be 10 bucks. That'll be 10, 50, 100, and maybe more. You never know. Is it true that younger people want to buy everything online? That's not true. In fact, we know that 72% of young people prefer to buy in-store than online. And it is because of that sense of community, that sense of experience and seeing something and touching it and, and smelling something new and being inspired that the online experience doesn't provide to you because the online experience is very transactional and overwhelming in the amount of choices versus the in-store experience that it's much more engaging and attractive. More from Melina Diaz in a few minutes. But first, I wanted to talk to one of these people that we've been studying so closely. Thankfully, believe it or not, I actually know a millennial. Amazing, right? What's more, she lives in Los Angeles. And from what I hear, living in L.A. takes all of your millennial qualities and just magnifies them. 
Hey, this is James. Hey, James, it's Sarah. My name is Sarah Quinn, and I am the Vice President at Connect Media. Sarah, can I confirm that you are indeed of the millennial generational group? I am indeed a millennial, yes. I would say that I have two kinds of shopping styles, and one of them is Amazon, and the number of boxes that I get delivered on a weekly basis um, sort of baffles me because you don't really see it until there's the boxes. Um, And then um, if I'm going to be going out to a store, I want to be having an experience. Um, So places in Los Angeles that I love are places like The Grove, The Americana, um, and um, places like Platform. Platform is in Culver City, California. It's a redevelopment with boutique retail and creative office space. It does have a boutique feel. Um, it's on two levels. Um, so there's, there is some sort of general walk around feeling that's a little bit like the Grove, um, but there, there are things to see on both levels. Um, it also turns around onto the street corner in Culver City so that you feel like you're a little bit more integrated as opposed to being isolated. It's like a redevelopment of, uh, I think I read it's a former car dealership. Yeah, it is. Um, It's a redevelopment. Um, Runyon Group is um, the developer and they've done the leasing. They've been really strategic on the brands that they've brought in. Um, And it was definitely one of the first projects that started to transform Culver City as the um, as the subway line uh, reached out towards the, the ocean. It's definitely a group of buildings that are connected essentially with the platform. Um, so it's mostly on the ground floor. And then there's, I think, maybe three buildings that are connected. Um, and the big parking garage is actually great because that's always one of the things that you think about when you're going anywhere. There's always parking when you're going there. And then the buildings are interconnected with a pretty decent open space. Like they did this artisan market one time that I was there. And um, so there's additional retailers that will come in and do pop-ups and and they really activate the space there. Um, well, the first thing that drew me there is um, it has a it had a brand new Soul Cycle. There's been a couple new locations that have opened since then, but um, that was a, uh, the first one in that part of town. Um, there's some really cool retailers that are there. There's um, an event space that I've been to an event at. Um, they've done open air markets. Um, there's a great nail salon called Ten Over Ten and a Sweet Green that a lot of people who are on the west side will go to for meetings. Alina Diaz is also a fan of Platform. Platform LA is what we see to be the future mall, that it's much more of a community space where there are stores, but there's also fitness centers, there's also workspace scenarios. So people go there not just for the purposes of just buying or shopping, they go there to engage with the rest of the community. So they don't have, it's not a traditional mall in that they don't have a, department store they don't have a food court it's much it's smaller it's it's more boutique feeling it's a lifestyle place it's somewhere where you go to hang out i know that you've said um alina that um younger generations are much more they want to be a part of creating the content that they consume and that includes the stuff they buy in stores so how does that play out how does a retailer feed that need There are many ways to do that. And this is very much of a trend that we're seeing with Gen Cs where we call them the mixed masters and is a very scary idea for some advertisers and for some brands and retailers. The idea of like letting go a little bit and letting the consumers a little bit more in. We see that happening with advertisers doing that 
for their content that they publish online, for their marketing and advertising campaigns. So instead of just giving them the commercial, giving them the assets so they can remix that into their own version of what they think that commercial should be and putting their own stamp. But in terms of the store, we actually are seeing that in a more of a personalized personalization um, approach where you can go to the store and personalize, you know, your shoe. You can personalize how or the next design of the brand. I was recently at a Timberland um, uh, pop-up, uh, and they one of the th- neat things they had was anybody could bring in their shoes and have them um, custom uh, custom designed with whatever. And these are like professional, super cool designs, and people are bringing them in and having you know their sons' names put on the sides and stuff. It's really it's really neat to engage people in that way. Absolutely, they also have a pop-up Timberland in uh, New York where the environment, talking about the experiences that we were discussing before, the experience provide a much more sense of community, but also the trees that are planted in there, people, when they go, they know that they're going to be planted around the city. So it gives you another reason for being part of their movement and being close to the store and feeling like the store is a friend. Interesting. So they have all these trees and they know that when the pop-up closes, it's not getting thrown away, but it's going to be so. So that, that's like this whole idea of social responsibility. Like how important is that in a trend for millennials and Gen Z? For young people, they feel that making the world a better place is their responsibility. It's not just a nice to have. It's actually a responsibility that they feel they are the ones that will change the world. So when a brand offers them a way and a niche or bridges that value into something that they can tangibly see the results, um, it's a win-win for the consumer and for the brand. So it used to be like you'd go to a big box store because they had all this selection. Now what you're saying is they want to go to a smaller store that's done the decision work for me and is just saying, these are the best three shoes. Choose between one of these. A hundred percent. And the other trend is how do you bridge the online experience with the in-store experience? If I'm going to a store and I have been searching online for specific items, the expectation of the consumer right now is that when you go into the store, they already know that information from you. We're so far behind that we are shopping online and not making the purchase decision. We are going into the store and consumers say, I have to go back online while I'm at the store to find out the items that I was looking for. So there's a big disconnect and it's the technology is there for us to already bridge that you know, search that happens online to provide a better experience when the person actually shows up at the store. And another opportunity that we see while targeting millennials and Gen Zs is the idea of curating the options for them. So when you go to the store, I've already done some work for you online. So one, you should know about that about me. And two, the services online and offline should help you curate what's best for you as opposed to providing you with an overload of information that you have to then fish through. You're giving me a problem as opposed to helping me find a solution. When I saw you talk, you said something that really resonated with me. You said, side streets are replacing high streets. I'm a retail researcher. We care very much about high streets. I love side streets, um, but high streets are where the money's at. So tell me, this is a contrarian idea. Tell me what, what you're saying with that. How does that work? What we're saying is that 
local people, local consumers are preferring to go to the side streets because they're less in their face. They're pushing um, for you to buy something if you don't need it less than they are in the high streets. They are preferring to go a little bit more off the beaten path, discover something new and feel much more of a personalized experience than feel that they're shopping where everybody else is shopping. And it is, again, back to the same um, concept of what is the experience that you are providing? If you are providing that curated experience where I want to go and hang out, as opposed to me feeling that you just want to take my money and offer me five more items that I don't want, I'm not going to go there. So it, the challenge is how do the high street stores try to engage with the consumer in a much more holistic way and provide them that environment that they're going to bring them back? So when I think about a high street store, I think about hustle and bustle and crowds. When I think about a side street store, I, th I think about somebody who's laid back you walk in, it's like, hey, how's it going? Let's talk. Uh, th yes, that is very appealing to me as a shopper. I can see why you're saying that. It's very appealing. There's less pressure. And you might just want to walk around because you are exploring. And yes, as a consequence of that, you might go shopping. But it's not that your whole intent of purpose, you know, do that to that day. It's just to go shopping. So it is much more inviting and welcoming. And that's why they're choosing those. I asked Alina to give me an example of a retail place that really hit the mark in speaking to a generation. She told me about the Google hardware pop-up in Soho in New York. Um, so this is a pop-up that featured Google devices like their phones and their home assistants. And it was called hardware. It was kind of a spoof on hardware stores. Uh, so they had, uh, they decorated the walls with like paint cans and old toolboxes and things like that. But inside, there was a lot of different interactive experiences around some different Google technology. So there was a Google treehouse um, that was like a little wooden multi-story house that was set up to showcase different Google devices. Young people want tech to feel more like human. And the Google hardware store is very much decorated as a home. So it's, you know, more a little bit more invisible. It's not just technology in your face, but it's how does technology become part of your life? And it's a very welcoming environment. It's an Instagrammable moment as well. It's something that we've talked about, how to create those share-worthy experiences. Let's say, imagine for a moment that I am a retailer and it's very traditional, old school, and I hired you to tell me what to do differently. What's your first advice? Like right off the bat, what do I need to do to, I got to get these kids in my store, Alina. How do I do it? <laughs> Well, the first thing is we need to find out why, right? So we need to do some research and understand, or I would need to see what are the behaviors of the people that go, who are the people that are going, and who are the people that are not going first. And if it is a problem with the generation that we're speaking about right now, millennials understanding what is the experience, how much time people are spending at the store what is the real motivation of why they come to the store? What do they do before and after they go to the store? And understand what, how can we slowly but surely, because obviously a big brand cannot 
transform itself overnight. You're, uh, you, I'm going to guess and say you're millennial. Is that right? No, I'm not. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. No, no, I'm definitely a Gen Xer. Oh, okay. Okay. Many years. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, well, that is a, that's, um, okay. Anyway, um, so uh, what uh, kind of shopping appeals to you, appeals to your generation, our generation? It's interesting because all these trends, and I'm learning so much about the trends that we publish out of Cassandra and the research work that the team does, that is impacting also how I think about my own experience in retail and shopping. Because it is very frustrating to have to go around the city or to have to browse through so many different websites to figure out what you want and what your style is and then to have to buy a shoe. So when you don't find what fits you and you've already been shopping at the store many, many times, I would say it's frustrating for me, for the store not to know already my size. I would love for the experience to be that when I show up, they already have a curation of what I already purchased. So to me, the biggest opportunity personally that I would love for this to happen tomorrow <laughs> is for my in-store experience to match my, you know, my search for the items that I want online. Do you have a store that you really do like to go to and in any, any type of retail that really gets you and you think is like, oh, this is my place? I've mentioned anthropology. Anthropology to me is a store that I go just to be inspired. Literally, I'm feeling like a millennial there talking. <laughs> and it's a store that it's it has home, it has clothing, but it does have decor and design and a space to relax that it, it is a little bit of a break. And, you know, you feel good. I feel good when I go into the store and by feeling good, of course, I end up buying an item or two. You know, it's so it's funny because anthropology comes up a lot on our podcast, not because we try, but people just bring it up. Yeah. Like whatever they're doing, they yeah. need to keep doing it. So a brand needs to stand today much more than just sales and revenue. It needs to, for the consumer, stand for the values that they can relate to. So it is really going a, a little bit of a soul searching for brand to bring that out and tell the consumer, listen, we care about the same things that you actually do. It's funny when we talk about the younger generation liking to hang out, uh, calling them mix masters, saying they like to create their own content, saying they're environmentally and socially responsible, they want to make the world a better place. They want a store to curate options for them so they're not overwhelmed by choices. You know, hey, I really like all that stuff too. It's like when they started putting curb ramps on sidewalks. The reason they did it was to make it more accessible to people that use wheelchairs. But it also ended up making it easier for older people, people with walkers, parents with strollers. My take is that when you make a store or a shopping center accessible to Gen Z and millennials, in a lot of ways, you're making it more appealing to everyone else, too. I've heard it said that young people don't make phone calls anymore. Well, young people, let's prove them all wrong. Are you a millennial or a Gen Z shopper? I'd love to hear what stores and shopping places appeal to you. Call us on the Where We Buy hotline and we'll use your message on an upcoming show. Be sure to tell us your name and where you're calling from. 
The number is 602-633-4061. Get out your calendars because we're going on the road. We're going to be in New York City at the ICSC New York Deal Making Conference. It's at the Javits Center. We're going to be doing live podcasts on Wednesday the 5th of December and Thursday the 6th. Uh, These are going to be taking place in Hall 3D. So that's like the main hall. You walk in the front entrance and you just go straight back and you get to this area called Retail in Focus. There's a little stage there that we're going to be recording live podcasts, lots of cool guests, uh, including uh, people from M. Jemmy, Candytopia, Neighborhood Goods, Winky Lux, and more. I'll be announcing the exact times of each live show on our next episode. Also at the ICSC New York Conference on December 6th, that's Thursday at 10 a.m., I'll be hosting a panel on grocery disruption. We've got Dan Gavin from Aldi, Nick Hodge from Kroger, and Jim Sylvia from Reedco Sylvia Advisors. That's a high-powered panel. You're not going to want to miss it. The JLL Retail Research Team is out and about collecting data, learning about new trends, and recording podcasts along the way. Up next, we're going to be digging into the economics of online food delivery. Are restaurateurs benefiting from these apps? Plus, we visit 2-Bit Circus, an indoor micro-theme park. Don't miss any of it. Subscribe to Where We Buy on the iPhone podcast app or Spotify or wherever you get podcasts. If you want to see more retail research, go to jllretail.com and click on Retail Intelligence. Our theme music is Run in the Night by The Good Lauds under Creative Commons license. By and large, the shopping that I'm doing offline is for the things that I cannot get easily um, online. So it's something that I'm going to be looking for that I really want, that I want to touch and feel. Um, I've been on a kick lately. I I feel like I want more candles for my house, but it's not something that I'm going to buy online because I want to smell it first. So I think that those, you know, kinds of destination shoppings where I'm about to spend something like $35 on a candle. I want to know what it smells like. So I'm going to be in the store in order to do it. Well, so that begs the question, you know, I'm sure our listeners are dying to know what's the go-to candle shopping spot? Like I'm in LA, I need (laughs) candles. Where should I go? I think that Anthropology has the best candle selection by and large, but I was just in Parachute. I'd actually listened to your podcast and they opened in Silver Lake. I'm like, they've got candles. I want to go check that place out. So I recently bought a Parachute candle. Okay. Now the snake (laughs) is eating its own tail at this point. (laughs) We're podcasting about, uh, about what you did because of our podcast and somebody's going to listen to this and go do something because of it. Okay. So you like Parachute? I mean, that was really cool. I like Parachute. And that was a really cool episode because that's my part of town, right? Like I live on, I live in the eastern part of Hollywood. I drive up and down Sunset. And there was a lot of brands that I'd sort of seen pop up and that I was excited to go explore once I'd heard that. And I do like Parachute.